0: Well, it is so good to be in worship with you. My name is Jacob Armstrong, one of the pastors here at Providence Church. And man, we're just so thankful, as Pierce said, to start to be able to stay connected in a time when so many things are disconnected. So thanks for for joining us in worship uh, if you're here for the first time, welcome. I know there are many who are coming coming back uh, for more, so we're glad that, that you're with us. This is our first time uh, to be together since Easter. We had a great celebration. People from all over uh, joined us for that Easter celebration, and it was a, a wonderful, uh, wonderful time. We had dozens and dozens of people that joined us for the first time. So here at Providence Church, we love welcoming new guests. So those of you who are Providence Church people, I want to tell you that we had more first-time guest for Easter Sunday than any Sunday we've ever had. Isn't that incredible? So we just are so thankful and welcome you. We had people from uh, Wisconsin, Denver, I heard from Connecticut, um, all over the place that are coming and joining us in worship. We're glad you're here. I learned of a church where the members of a Presbyterian Church in Naperville, Illinois, joined Providence for worship on Easter. So just really uh, a special, special time. We had uh, quite a few people who said yes to Jesus for the first time. So if some of y'all are watching, uh, we are celebrating with those of you who've said yes. Um, Most of those folks, many of them were young people who live right in this community maybe in front of mom and dad, who lifted their hand and said yes to Jesus. We're just celebrating with that. I heard from a young woman who lives in Chicago who said uh, that she said yes to Jesus as her Lord and Savior on Easter. So, I mean, we are just, we're celebrating what God has been up to uh, in this place. The church is not stifled in this time. The church is is growing and beautiful. In fact, across history, it's been times like this, like uh, like the coronavirus, like, pandemic, when, when Christ church expands and grows and goes into all these places. So we're living in one of those times, even though it's really weird and difficult, terrible at times, we see God's spirit at work. I offer another word of thanks. I know I've been doing this more than usual, but it's important to me. to Offer a word of thanks to you Providence Church folks who have been giving financially in this time. We've just been amazed. This is our sixth Sunday to not meet in person. And, and, and you have been so generous in your financial gifts. I want to say thank you. We are feeding people in our community. Pastor Regina is leading us in that effort. Uh, we have a hallway that's uh, filled with food uh, for uh, a partnership we have with the local schools. And so this is amazing. I've seen it happen on days that I've been up here. The, get this. The principals of the schools, the guidance counselors come, and they open up their trunks. The principal of the school loading up and taking food to families in our community. And, and so there's a program where we uh, help uh, feed kids on the weekends. We're giving those food to the kids, but then Pastor Regina puts uh, bags of groceries around that. And that's because of your giving, I want to thank you. Many of you have asked about uh, the Mount Juliet Help Center, which uh, we uh, are a big supporter of, and you guys bring your food in uh, once a month, and like, how's that going? We just want you to know we are continuing to support the Mount Juliet Help Center. Financially, at this time, in a lot of ways, they have a lot of folks coming there because of COVID-19 who can't pay their bills, and so we are, we are still in partnership with the Help Center. I wanted you to know that. When we get back here, we'll have you bring your, your bags in. Uh, the church is, is strong and I mean Jesus Church all over the place, is strong in this time, and I just want to thank you uh, for being a part of that. Nothing can stop it. And I, and I saw that clearly, you know, on Easter when you guys were dancing in your homes. In the midst of this, you're dancing in your homes, right? Some of you need to work on your dance moves. I saw, I saw the videos. I mean, no, no offense, but this is the time. This is, you have time. You can watch some YouTube videos, and when you get back, uh, you can you can join me uh, dancing. I have this memory when I was about seven or eight years old. I can't really pinpoint the time, but seven or eight years old. I have this memory. It was a, a hot summer night, and my dad. Uh, went up into the attic and brought down this box. And in the box was this old reel-to-reel recorder, this stereo, this like ancient stereo to me. And the reason I've been thinking about this is that moment was sort of like what's been going on right now. Moms and dads have had time uh, to like go in the attic and pull old stuff out or to build a garden or do all these things that we haven't had time to do. Well, that's what it was like in 1987. Like my dad did not have an iPhone. He was never on a Zoom call at night. He was never playing uh, Candy Crush, uh, which is that's a problem in my home right now, so I just want to speak to my wife, Rachel, for a moment. Uh, Some of y'all are thinking, Candy Crush, wasn't that like four years ago? Not in my house. It is is alive and well and, and something we'll, we'll work on. But anyways, my dad goes up into the attic and to get this box. And attics back then were a little different too. You didn't just walk off the bonus room, you know, open a door. There was a string hanging from the ceiling in my garage. Some of y'all remember this. We pull the string and these magic steps come down to the scariest, darkest place in the world, which was was my attic. And there weren't nice tubs up there. There were cardboard boxes covered in insulation. And if you touched the insulation, you would die. That's what our parents told us. Don't touch the insulation. I don't know what happens if you touch the insulation because I never, ever, touch the insulation. My dad gets this box in this hot summer night, and he comes down, and he pulls out this contraption. It was like he was putting this ancient machine together. It was this reel-to-reel, I don't know how to describe it, like a a movie uh, camera kind of thing, these two tapes you put on there. It took him forever to set it up, so I'm sitting there as like eight-year-old late at night on a summer night at my kitchen table, and he puts these Big headphones on my ears, and I can hear the crackling of that tape moving through the reels. And then I had never heard uh, the Beatles' White Album before, before that moment. And I heard uh, it's Paul McCartney's guitar riff on the first song, it's uh, back in the USSR. And this guitar riff, which is like mimicking a, an old Chuck Berry riff or, or like a, a Beach Boys kind of riff, it went, I felt like it bypassed my ears and went into my heart. I don't know if you have a memory like that, where a song you know, just seemed to go straight from your brain into your soul. You know, some moment where you, you heard this song in this moment at the right time, this sound, this noise, and it just sort of reverberated. You can still kind of feel that moment. Most of us have some moment where we remember hearing something that changed everything. Now, back when I was a kid, we actually didn't get to choose what we heard. Most of the time, we just heard what was on the radio, but now we can almost, we can almost choose any song we want to hear. You know, we create these playlists, and that's what we get to hear when we want to hear it. But it's not just music that we hear, right? We hear hundreds of messages from marketers every day. We hear uh, the voices of the people around us speaking to us. We might be on a Zoom call, and some of that goes in one ear and out the other. We still hear messages from, from parents and teachers and coaches from, from years before that tell us about our worth, that tell us about how we think about our future. And so what I'm just wanting you to think about is there's all these things that we hear, and I think that we're at a point six weeks into social distancing, six weeks into a virus, six weeks, when is it gonna end? I think we're at a point when we need to be really intentional about what we're putting in our ears, about what we're hearing, about what we're listening to. And so all I wanna do is just offer you a simple invitation over the next couple of months. And that is to invite yourself to hear the words of Jesus. And what happens when you hear the words of Jesus is they often go, sometimes they go in one ear and out the other, to be honest, but sometimes they go into your, into your brain and straight into your heart, and they get lodged there. And so if you're kind of, if your tank is full on Netflix or the news, and we're still going to hear those messages, I don't mean that. But if you're ready to hear something different, I, I can't wait to share with you uh, over the next little bit some, some very specific words that Jesus has to say to us. For the next eight weeks, we are going to look at one line per week from Jesus. Just let it kind of go into our hearts. So we're going to be in Matthew chapter five. If you want to read along with me this morning or throughout the week, we're going to be looking starting in Matthew chapter five. And in Matthew chapter five is recorded the longest continuous words of Jesus in the Bible in what's called, it's a famous collection called what it's called the Sermon on the Mount. And that's because Jesus gives these words sitting on a mountainside. So here's the setup for the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 5, verses 1 and 2. It says, now when Jesus saw the crowd, he went up on a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him, and he began to teach them. So that moment, we think, like, is probably just how you picture it. Jesus is in some rural area on the side of a mountain or a hill. There are these crowds of people who've come around him, throngs of people. He needs to get a message to them. The image is that Jesus is on the move, but when he sees the people, his heart is moved with compassion, and so he sits down just on the the edge of the mountain there, on the edge of the hill. The people are below in what forms sort of a natural amphitheater, we think, and Jesus begins to teach them, and this is what he says. He said, blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And we have to believe that probably for some, those words went right in one ear and out the other. You know, they were on the side of the mountain having a snack. But we know that there were some folks for whom those words went into their minds, into their hearts, and lodged there in such a way that they were able to repeat them again so they could be passed down from generation to generation, these words. Words of Jesus, which are not just words. They have the power to, to move us and to change us. One reason is because what Jesus is saying here is quite upside down from what the world will tell us. And I don't get too big into like saying, hey, the world out there is bad and this is good, but I will tell you this. The message that the world has given you that is different from what Jesus is saying here is not the truth. The truth is what Jesus is saying in these lines. These famous statements of Jesus uh, those verses I just read to you, are called the Beatitudes. And in them, Jesus is pronouncing a blessing on the people. So there's a Latin word um, that, where they get that word beatitude, and that word is translated into the English happy or rich, but mostly blessed. So Jesus is pronouncing blessing. You heard it, right? On the poor, on the grieving, on those who are showing mercy. Think about who's showing mercy right now. On those who are speaking and seeking peace in all places, Jesus says those are the people who are blessed. And um, again, it's sort of counter cultural. I've been taught, you know, blessing is going to be found, right, in power or in uh, financial wealth or in expensive trips or something like that. But Jesus is saying, no, blessing is found in poverty, in grieving, in hunger. And in thirst. So the word blessing gets thrown around a lot. We say uh, the word bless, but I would say, especially in the South, that blessing is something we we talk about. Uh, you know, I mentioned we got folks that are watching in Connecticut and Wisconsin, and uh, you know, Chicago, wherever. But but just know, in the South, we we kind of hold the market on blessing and talking about blessings. We think we say things like bless this mess or too blessed to be stressed, or bless bless your heart. I mean, we get those airbrushed on license plates and put them on the front of our car when we go to Panama City. You know, it's like we're thinking about blessing because you're blessed when you're in Panama City. And, and so anyways... Uh, but we say these things, and so we, we understand blessing in the South. We know how to talk about it. Bless your heart, you, we've talked about it before. That's a way of saying you know that, per, that, that, that a person is an idiot, but they're our idiot, right, when you say bless your heart. It's like a grandma's like, oh, bless Uncle Jimmy's heart. He's still out in the garage tinkering on that Ford. That's grandma's way of saying Jimmy's an idiot, but we all know it. The Ford's never going to run, but he's ours. Don't talk about him. Bless his, bless his sweet, sweet little heart. What I'm getting at is we throw blessing and blessed Uh, We we throw it around all the time. Here's what the Bible says about blessing. Uh, First, you you need to know the the Bible has two parts. The Old Testament, which is the first part. In the Old Testament, we hear about creation. Uh, We hear about the people of God. Uh, that's where we, we get the Ten Commandments, the prophets. That's the first part. The second part of the Bible is the New Testament. That's where we hear about Jesus and the early church and those kind of things. So the Old Testament was written in the Hebrew language. The New Testament was written in Greek. But still, in both the Old Testament and the New Testament, there are two words for blessing. And those words are translated into the English, blessing, but they mean two different things. So I want to tell you about those two words. The first word is like this, bless this person. Like, bless the sick person. Bless my child. Bless this nation, God bless America, that kind of thing. We are asking God to do something that only God can do, for God to bestow something of God onto a person. So that's what we're saying when we say bless this sick person or bless my kid or bless the nation. It is a good thing from God, this blessing, and so we're asking for it. And we should do that. I hope that you're doing that right now, asking for God's blessing. The other word, though, and that's the one that's found in Matthew chapter 5, the other word for blessing in the Bible is not an ask. It's not an ask. It's not a wish list for God. The other word for blessing describes an, an existing state of happiness. So this blessing is something that, that you already have that you're in. So uh, I'll, I'll break that down for you. So blessing can be to ask God to do something. Right? Bless this mess, God. Ask God to do something. The other word for blessing is an existing state of happiness, something that's already being received, something that's already being enjoyed. This helps me understand it. You know, we might pray for someone to be blessed. Uh, maybe it's someone who's in need of financial assistance. You know, God bless them financially. Bless this person. Take care of them. That's the first way of talking about blessing. The second way would be if we someone who, see someone who is already living into riches, let's say. They, they, they will inherit the fortune of their parents. So we would look at them and say, they are blessed. They're blessed now, and there's an inheritance coming. So blessing can be something you ask for, but it can also be something you're currently experiencing. I have a quote from you. It's from a guy named Friedrich Hawke, and he wrote a book about the New Testament. And he was talking about the type of blessing found in Matthew chapter 5. This is what he said. He said, It, meaning the blessing, refers overwhelmingly to the distinctive joy which accrues to man from his share in the salvation of the kingdom of God. So I know that's a, some big big words there, but what he's saying is this joy, this distinctive joy comes to the one who already understands his or her share in salvation in the kingdom. So we might think, how can we be happy right now? Or we might see somebody sometime and think, how, how are they happy? And, and, and what, we, what we'll learn is that the blessing they have received is not something um, that is just that they're asking for or wishing for. It's something that already exists because they know who they are. They know their inheritance. They know their family. This is really important right now because so much has been stripped away from us, some of us more than others. So much has been stripped away. And so we might think, how can I be happy right now? You may be wondering, how can I be happy right now? Jesus is about to tell us. This word is about to come into your ears. Here's what he says, the first one. He says, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. The first ones that Jesus says experience blessing, not that are going to get a special blessing, but that are already blessed, are the poor. Uh, some of you will remember us studying Isaiah 61 uh, just a couple of months ago. It's a prophecy about the Messiah, and it says, "The spirit of the Lord is on me, He's anointing me to preach good news to the poor. So here in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is is sort of fulfilling that prophecy, saying, I want to tell you who's going to receive the blessing, and it's the poor. And so that uh, sometimes leads us to ask this question, well, who's poor? Who are the poor? There seems to be no mistake that Jesus is talking, when he's talking about the poor, he's really talking about the poor. Now, I know that sounds silly, but I'm about to expand that definition, but I don't want you to miss that when Jesus talks about uh, the poor, you, th- you think about who's poor, that's who Jesus is talking about, okay? But what Jesus does, the biblical definition actually of poor uh, is expanded, especially with Jesus' words, the poor in spirit. So listen to this verse from Isaiah 66. It says, but on this one will I look. So God's saying, on this one, this person, will I look, on him who is poor. Who's God gonna look to? Who's God gonna be with? Who's God gonna take care? Of? On him who's poor and of a contrite spirit, that just means they know they've messed up, they're sorry for it, they admit it, and who trembles at my word. So I'll read that again. But on this one will I look, on him who's poor, and of a contrite spirit, and who trembles at my word. We're going to use that sort of as our definition of poor in spirit. The ones Jesus says are blessed are the ones who, um, here's the way I would say it, they know that they need God, right? You hear that? Who's poor and of a contrite spirit. They're the people are saying, I know right now I need God. I'm poor, in my spirit. But the second part, see it, says, and he who trembles at my word. I'm gonna call that the person who hangs on God's every word. So here's uh, my definition of poor in spirit, but I think it's, it's, it's from the Bible. Poor in spirit are those who know they need God and hang on God's every word. Who's that? That's us. That's us. That's what this um, pandemic has done for me that's what it's done for us, right? It has made us realize that we felt so poor. Some of us have had great financial loss, and we're like, I am actually poorer than I was before. But I think most of us would say, you know, even those of us who still have our jobs, we would say, I feel poor in my spirit, meaning I know I need God. What I've learned is when I'm doing my thing you know, and I can drive around wherever I want to and I don't have to wear a mask and I can pretty much do what I want, it's real easy for me to kind of think I'm in control of a lot of things and I'm, I've got it covered and I've, I've, I've got what I need. But right now, when so much has been pulled away and restricted and we're beginning to step into the weariness of, of six weeks and seven weeks of being distance, I, am, I do not need a reminder that I need God. <laughs> like I need God right now. I'm desperate for God. I feel a desperation among us for God that we get right now that we really need God. And this time, we're reminded we need God. And Jesus says, it's right there, guys. It's right there that I have a blessing for you. It's right there that I have have goodness for you. It's right there that I actually have joy, happiness. You know, we search for it all over the place, and God's saying, it's actually right here in this moment that we're in. And so we need to then hang On God's every word, we just have to, what's God gonna say next? What does God have for me in this moment? And that's why we're gonna let Jesus speak to us. It's all I really knew to do in this season. Let's just let Jesus speak to us. Let's just take Jesus' words in us. And here's what I promise you. It's gonna be so good. You know why? Because Jesus is gonna show us another way. Right now the world is telling us when things get back to normal, we'll be Okay. That's what we're being, you know, when when the stock market gets right and when we're able to get back out of our houses, that's when everything will be good. Jesus is saying the poor right now can know the blessing and have the blessing right now. It doesn't have to be way out there because those of us who've walked a few miles or lived a few years know that normal is a really hard thing to, to figure out anyway when it gets normal again. And so Jesus is saying, those who are poor in spirit, those who are desperate for me, those who are hanging on my words, the blessing is yours right now. That's what Jesus is saying, that they inherit the kingdom of heaven, but not later, guys. That's the deal. Yes, later. I take that back. Yes, later, but also now. We've never been closer to the kingdom of heaven than we are right now because we're poor. We're poor in our, in our spirits, and so we're gonna hang on what Jesus says, and that's why we dance on Easter. That's why we dance on Easter, right? We ended, if you weren't with us last week online, we ended our Easter service with dancing. A dance party erupted in homes all over the place. It was fun, right? Especially when you have moves like I do. You know, it's just natural, it's easy, it's fun. But here's what I saw. Seeing the videos of people dancing, here's what I saw. I saw people dancing who lost their husband this year. I actually saw some kids dancing who lost their father this year. I saw some kids that I love whose parents have just gone through a divorce in this last season dancing. I saw this guy I know who has been uh, just wrecked with depression during the pandemic. Like there have been days that he, he could not even lift his head up off the pillow dancing on Easter. I'm not using those as categories. I want you to be clear. Like I'm saying, I know these people. I saw their video, and they were dancing on Easter. Why could they be happy? How could they be happy? How could they have joy? Because we're poor. And when we're poor like that, we're desperate for God, and we hang on God's every word. And we, when we hear that Jesus still knows our name after he's risen from the dead, we're like, I want to dance, When Jesus went behind closed doors to his followers that night, Easter evening, wasn't able to tell you about all of it, he spoke to them. He said, hey, peace, guys. And it says the disciples were filled with joy. They were filled with this blessing in the moment where they were still behind closed doors. The reason that Easter dance parties during pandemics (laughs) make sense is, is because we are Jesus' disciples now. And he's saying, yes, the kingdom of heaven is coming, but the kingdom of heaven is yours. I feel something right now, guys. I feel that God is doing something in pandemic. It's, what's happening is terrible. We're in a very difficult time, one like most of us have never experienced or dreamed of, but the kingdom of God is nearer now than ever before. We're the poor ones. We are the blessed ones. We inherit The kingdom of God. So I just want to ask, I'll close with a couple questions. Um, Do you know how desperately you need God right now? I just ask you that, like out of love, you know, just sort of like check yourself, you know? If you're kind of like in this place of like, I'm good, I would just ask you to to let these words of Jesus come into your heart. Do you know right now how desperately you need God? And then the second question is, are you hanging on, on God's every word? Are you hanging on what God is saying to you? Are you leaning on God? Are you looking to God? We see that happening in our world right now. More people are reading the Bible, downloading the Bible app than ever before, looking to God's word. It, it's, um, it's not unlike uh, when my dad put those huge earphones on me and I heard for the first time Dear Prudence or Blackbird or When My Guitar Gently Weeps. Like That for me was a moment where something kind of moved in my soul. Our life changes when we let Jesus' words in, and the change that happens is we're blessed, we experience blessing. So, bless your hearts, bless this mess. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Let us pray. Oh God, bring peace into our souls now as we have heard your word. We pray that you would do the work that only you can do, which is allowing your word to move Uh, through our auditory functions into a place in our heart and our soul. Speak to us, Jesus, about what it means to know blessing when we feel poor, when we feel so tired, when we feel strung out, when we feel depressed, when we're grieving, when we feel so low. Come into our hearts, Lord, and speak a blessing upon us. Do a good thing in us. Bring joy out of despair. Give us hope. Keep us going. Keep us moving. In Jesus' name, amen.